0: So today's Daf is Daf Vov in Meseches Chagiga. And we pick up from the very bottom line on Daf om the base. Bottom of 5B. In Heligum Meseches Chagiga, at the two dots, the Mishnah had said that a koton, a minor, is not obligated in the mitzvah of Ri'i, right? Akochayom Riyah, everybody's obligated to appear, as we're going to see really on tomorrow's daf, to be seen by the on the Beis Hamikdash. Um excluding, um, and the Mishnah gives a list of who's not obligated, Noshim, right, a shaita, a katan, etc., etc. Okay, says the, so the, we said the Mishnah, who's considered a katan that is not obligated to be in the mitzvah of being seen in the Beis HaMikdash. So the Mishnah told us, So we had a machlekas. Beis says, if the kid's too young to be carried on his father's shoulders, then the parents are not obligated to bring that child. While B'Shammai was of the opinion, um, I'm sorry, that was B'Shammai, while B'Shila was of the opinion that if he cannot hold on to his father's hand and stay safe without running away, um, he's not going to be obligated. Here we go. Let's get going on today's Gemara. Maskeflah mm-hmm. Rebizera. Zera. Rabbi asked a challenging question, top of Ad Man Asye. beautiful question. His question is like this. We're dealing with somebody who's in the vicinity of Yerushalayim, which child has to be brought up to the Beis HaMikdash. Asks, um, asks the Gemara a challenging question, which is, which is Rav Zayr is asking, how did he get to Yerushalayim in the first place? You live in Florida. You live anywhere. You live in Denver, and right? wherever we live, right? So people want to go up to Yerushalayim. If this kid is not capable of getting there. So who brought him there in the first place? Amaliyah Bai says, listen to this beautiful message. Ad until Yerushalayim, The mother's obligated in the mitzvah of simcha. Why? Says Rashi over here. Because simcha on a yom tif is when families together. So even though only the men were obligated to go from Yerushalayim to the base of Mikdash, but of course the women came to Yerushalayim to be near their husband so the family fabric can stay together. So you want to know who brought the kid to Yerushalayim? The mother. But once you get to Yerushalayim from there on forth, so now only the husbands were obligated to make the trek up to the Besamekdash. So, if the kid is old enough, where he can hold on to his father's hand and make it from Yerushalayim up to the Temple Mount, the parents are obligated to bring that child the Imlai, Potter, but if he's not obligated to, that's where we say, Potter." Okay, So here we go. What did we just learn? Again, Zera challenged. What do you mean? What age? How did he get there in the first place? The answer is, his mama. Yeah. His mother brought him there, and then the father takes it from takes it from your slime to the base onmitnu. But also this underlying idea, beautiful message for us to take, is that when it comes to spirituality, the healthiest way for it to work. Is with the family fabric intact. It's the best way to do it. Now, sometimes it's not possible, but it is. There, you know, in 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 order for it to, to function to the to the healthiest level, that's really what we need to be focused on. The mothers there, the fathers they're along with the child. Okay. Hey, Rabbi Tachas Beisol, the Rabbi uh, Shame. Rabbi responded be, um, for Beis Hillel, to what Beishamai said. Now, what do you mean? Now, so let's remind ourselves. Beishamai is of the opinion. When do you call a katon if your father can't carry you on the shoulders? Beishamai says, when are you a katon when he can't hold your father's hand? So Rebbe says, I will prove that Hillel that it's a dependent on holding the hand, is correct. From the following story. V'chana loy also, Chana, the mother of the prophet Shmuel. Did not go up to the Mishkan Ki Umrah because she said, she said, she said to her husband, uh, Isha without a yud, Aleph Shin Shinhei, is woman. Isha with a yud is referring to a male, referring to the uh, the husband. Adi it's I'm not gonna come up because my child has not yet been weaned. And then Yosef, once he's been weaned, then I'll bring him. Vashmul, the Vashmu was old enough to hold his own weight and be carried. On his father's shoulders. So, why is Hannah excusing herself by saying, you know what, I'm not going to come up with my child? It must be, says Rebbe, that it's not dependent on being held on the father's shoulders, rather, it's depending on whether you can hold the father's hand. <clears throat> so, Rebbe's father said to him, no, you don't have a good proof, because, according to your logic, Tikshilah Hannah Gufa, Hannah herself is going to be a contradiction. Why? Because milay mechayve besimcha, didn't we just explain that women are also obligated in the mitzvah of simcha, so they would also join to going to the mishkan? Beautiful, right? So why is she saying I'm not going at all? We, I thought the women came to Yerushalayim, or in Chana's circumstance with the mishkan being in Shilo, she should have gone to Shilo. Ella, rather, what what happened in that incident? Chana mefankusa yesei rasa chazya beishmul. Chana saw there was something particular about Shmuel's physical well-being that he would not be able to make the trek. It was He wasn't up to traveling. Right? Sometimes we feel like that. You want to go somewhere, and it's a mitzvah, and whatever it is, but your body's not capable. So, Chana, the mother had an intuition, something in her child. She can't do it. And she was nervous that Shmuel... Um, would get too tired out from the trip, okay? And that's why she didn't go. Hence, Rebbe still has a good proof to Beis Hillel that it's not about being carried on the shoulders, but it's about holding the father's hands. Now, let's just remind ourselves. Let's just remind ourselves of what we learned in the Mishnah. The Mishnah says that the parents are given reward for bringing their child to the environment of holiness. Does the kid understand the thing? No. The child understands nothing, but just by giving our families this holy experience, giving ourselves, putting ourselves into situations where it's just a holy experience. Do I know everything that's happening? No. I want, there's, a, there's a big tzaddik who's coming to my city. I don't have any questions for him. I don't even know what to ask. I can't even read Hebrew. So why should I go talk to him? Because just go. Go, stand near him, listen to other people conversing. It's worthwhile putting ourselves in our mishpachas. It has an impact when we put ourselves into environments of Kedusha. There's a beautiful story that's told over, we'll keep it short, but I believe Rabbi Fran shared this story about somebody who would learn Dafyomi. And he would come back from work exhausted every day, he'd pick up his Gemara, he'd walk out of his house, and he'd go learn Dafyomi, and the moment the teacher started, he fell asleep. Okay, every single day, without fail. And the moment the shir was over, somebody would give him a nudge, and he woke up. Okay, he didn't bother anybody, he didn't snore too loud, so it didn't really, you know, but after a few months, so the Maggid the, the one giving teaching the, the Dafyomi class, he walks over and he says, you know, if you're so tired, every day, why are you going to learn Dafyomi? Like, why do you even come? Go to bed. You're tired, you need a good shluff. What, what, what are you coming for? And listen to what the guy says. This is so powerful. He says, Rabbi, I know I'm not gonna be able to stay up. I'm, I'm way too exhausted at the end of the day. But my children need to see their father come home, pick up a holy book, and walk out the door to shul. That's why I come. I don't I, I don't know what, but this is what I feel I need to do for the raising of my children. That they see that this is important to the life of a Jew, you go sit in the Shul with the sefer and he says i know i know i'm going to fall asleep but that's that's a, there's something to that there's something beautiful and precious about that uh, about this concept okay Rabbi Reb Shemin, Reb Shimon asked a question, searching for information, koton chiger beishamai, when you have a koton who cannot walk, according to Bei This is interesting, right? A man who cannot walk is not obligated in the mitzvah of Re'iyah. If you can't walk up through Shalayim, you have no obligation. What about a minor? Bei said a minor, as long as he can be held by the father, is obligated. Well, what if the kid can't walk? The kid's lame. He's got a, he's got a handicap. Is he obligated? Beautiful question. Okay? Because this child's really not dependent on walking, just being dependent on being held on the father's shoulder. The the Ledib name, or a child who's blind. Mahu, what is the halacha? Are the parents obligated to bring this child to the Beis Amiktah? Says the Gabbar, Hechidami, what's the particular case that we're asking about? Either, if we're dealing with a child who's lame permanently, the Summa Shinny Yocholis, or unfortunately a child that's blind and was born blind, and as far as nature is concerned, will never be capable of seeing. <clears throat> so there's no reason to assume you're obligated. You know why? Because Hashta, now, Godel, as an adult, Potter, you're not obligated. Cut me, boy. You can tell me a minor is obligated. It doesn't make any... The, 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 the logic doesn't flow. You're going to say that until he's bar mitzvah, or, and yeah, he's obligated. All of a sudden, his bar mitzvah is not obligated in, in this mitzvah. We don't find such a thing, right? So that's not the case. Shalot What's the situation? The case must be, we're dealing with a child who currently cannot walk. Let's say he's got a broken leg, right? But he's going to be healed. He'll be able to walk. Bisuma or Nebuch, a child that had a surgery on his eyes. And he can't see right now. is But in the future, he will be capable of seeing. So there we want to know, my, what is the halacha, are the parents obligated to bring that child as far as the mitzvah of Re'i, of being seen in the Besam HaMikdash is concerned. Amar Rabbi, Rabbi, answers, whenever an adult in that situation would be biblically obligated, if an adult would be obligated, then the rabbis say, you got to teach Chinuch to the child as well. But if there's never going to be a biblical obligation on the adult, then even rabbinically, the child is not going to be Obligated, And we learned earlier that let's say you have an adult who broke, broke his feet. Nebuch. Let's say the guy was in a car accident. His feet got crushed. He's going through physical therapy. He's going to be healed. Is there a mitzvah of No. There's no biblical obligation. Since in that situation there's no biblical obligation, we're not going to, the, the cut in as well, for the minor as well, we're going to say the parents are not obligated to bring it. We can even add in a, a beautiful idea. Okay, we're at the two dots. Add a beautiful idea. What is chinuch? Chinuch really means establishment, like Chanukah sabayas, you're establishing a home. So the purpose of Chinuch is to establish in the child whatever is going to apply to them as an adult. So when you have a child who's temporarily handicapped, to bring that child to Yushalayim actually would not be Chinuch. Because what we're teaching the child is, if you ever have a temporary handicap as an adult, you've got to go up. That's not true. Right, So the way to deal with our children is whatever would apply to them as adults, take this direct situation and apply it to the right here, right now and say, oh, you're talking not mechoyev. You're actually not, uh, you're not going to be obligated. Okay, period. Two dots. Next part of the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Beishamai, we had a dispute in the Mishnah. Beishamai says that the Eilash Re'iyah, the sacrifice of the Re'iyah that was brought had to had to be the value of two silver pieces and the Chagiga was one silver, right? So the Chagiga offering, which was a Shlomim, had to be worth one silver piece and the olasria had to be worth two. Basil said it was the opposite. Basil says that the riyah had to be worth one silver piece and the, um, the Shlomim Chagiga had to be worth one. Now let's... Explain for a moment, just getting into the technical details in a very simple way of these two sacrifices. In Ola, the, the Re'iyah sacrifice, we're gonna, this is going to be a big part of Amad Okay, We're going to get very much into sacrifices. So let's, let's understand this. There's two parts to Re'iyah. Re'iyah is to be seen in the Beis this. For example, a minor at a certain age needs to be seen. There's also the Ola Asra'iyah. When somebody's seen, they would bring a sacrifice. A katan does not need to do that. Even though we're saying that have to bring a minor, he did not bring a sacrifice, okay? Now, what's an Ola? An olah is an offering that's completely burnt up on the Mizbeach. That's why it's called Ola, from Aliyah. You're going up. The whole thing is being eaten, Kaviyachal, so to speak, by their Banshal. There's another korban called a Shalaman, which is a peace offering. The reason why it's called the shlamim is because it brings peace between the bringer, the Kohen, and Hashem. How so? Because everybody eats from it. Some of it's burnt to Hashem, some of it goes to the Kohen, and some of it is eaten by the one who brought the sacrifice. That's why it's called a shlamim because it creates Shalom, creates completion, creates peace between everybody involved. Okay? We're also going to learn about a third um, optional sacrifice, which was besides for the chagiga, there was a shalme simcha, a shlumim that was brought specifically for the yomtiv. This was only brought if somebody needed meat for simcha. But if somebody knew there are only two people in the house and they got more than enough steaks to go around for the whole yomtiv, you didn't need to bring the shalme simcha. Okay, but be it as it may, beishamai says that the ola, the one that gets completely burnt, two silver pieces. The shlumim. That gets shared, one. Bishel says, no. The Ola, one. And the Shlomim, two. Let's get into this. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis learned, and so should we. Let's go. Bishamian says, The carbon Ayla has to be worth at least two silver pieces, and the, and the carbon Chagiga had to be worth one silver piece. Because the Ayla gets completely burnt up to the Bain So you've got to be a Chashu yeah, when you serve their bun shalom, it's done first class. Zekele, this is my God. veyu, I will glorify Him with the best. the as opposed to the karban chagiga, as opposed to the chagiga sacrifice. Okay, so uh, it's not all burnt up to Hashem. Doesn't need the same value. Va'id and furthermore, We find when it comes to the the karbanas of shavuos, sharibem makasev veilas yeshmi bishlamim. There's more Olos brought than the Shlomim. So Beisham is pointing out that a sacrifice that gets totally burnt up is a much higher uh, level, so to speak, than one that's shared by people besides for God. And therefore, the Ola, the one that's for Hashem, has to be worth more, okay? Now, by the way, when we do this for Hashem, I want to make a point to Beisham, we're emulating Hashem's ways. You know when the Jewish nation said, this is my God and I will glorify him first class. You know when we realized this message? When we crossed the Red Sea. When we crossed the Yamsuf, We had the Egyptians chasing us. We had the Yamsuf in front of us. The Medrash tells us, the angel of Esau was right on top of us. And there were snakes and scorpions on both sides. We were stuck. We had nowhere to go. What does Hashem need to do to save us? Split the sea. Pretty cool. Big miracle. Right? Big miracle. Which, by the way, there's a cute, uh, cute little joke about, uh, about this. There's a, there's a little uh, frum kid sitting in a park with a chumash open. And he's saying, hallelujah! God is great! You know, he's, uh, so Some atheist walks by. And he's like, kid, what's your problem? What are you about? He says, look over here. It says, uh, it says Hashem split... The Yamsuf and the Jews walked across and they were saved. So this atheist says, kid, let me teach you something about life. You see, scientists say that back when, in the year that the Jews split the Yamsof, there was tremendous drought, and the Red Sea was 12 inches deep. It's not such a big miracle to, to cross the Red Sea. None to be excited about. You know what I mean? Like take a chill. The kid's, the kid's head falls. He goes, Oh, yeah, he does. And he looks back down into his chumash. A minute later, he picks up. He says, Hallelujah! God's great! The guy's like, What do you mean? I told you it's 12 inches deep. He's like, God took a whole nation of Egypt and drowned them in 12 inches of water. Yeah? <laughs> okay. So, what a, you, you'll find what you ought to find. Okay, but be it as it may, what did Hashem do at the Yamsuf? He could have split the water and let us walk through. Amazing, right? But instead, you know what God did? The Medrash tells us, not only did the water split, the floor became hard. There was marble floors, walls, fruit growing out of the walls, water fountains. People were, each tribe separately, but were able to see each other through. It was, it was literally a first-class event. Why does Hashem do that? Why does Hashem do that? Let Hashem split the water, and we, do you think we care if our shoes get muddy? Our lives are at stake. When your life says you don't care if your shoes get muddy, Hashem could have split the sea, and it would have been the same thing. But no, Hashem says I take care of you first class. And what happened as soon as we crossed the Yamsuf? I don't just do it; I do it right. And we cross the Yamsuf and we start singing Shira. We start singing to Hashem, and what do we say? Uz Yashir. And what do we say? Zekeli, this is, the, this is the verse in Hailey, this is my God va'anveyu, I will glorify him in a first class fashion We learnt from Hashem himself How we take care of each other Hashem takes care of us And we serve Hashem as well in first class Says Beishamai If there's going to be a karbon That is for Hashem That's got to be the best of the best There's no question the Olah should be more valuable than the Shlame Okay, let's keep going Beishillel argues Bisolam says that no the Olah is only worth one silver piece. and the Chagiga the Shlomim the peace offering that's two. Why? He says because the carbon Chagiga was brought by the nation even before the Torah was given. Masha'en came as opposed to the carbon Reiia the Olah. And similarly we find by the Nasiim that the Torah. Includes the shlamim more than aylah, so I got proof that shlamim is even better. Now, this is a fascinating, uh, a fascinating thought process, like bishila, right? is saying, "Listen, if it's all for God, got to be the best." Basil says, "No, not true." You know how you know if something's the best? Look at what was done first. If a if a peace offering was brought before the ola offering, it's more common. It's more in our bones. Without even being commanded to do that, shows something. And this is a very deep concept. I just want to bring it out a little bit. This is literally just touching a little bit. Okay? What is a more powerful blessing? The blessing of Shehakol Nihya Bidvaro, that God's Word created everything, which is said all the time on coffee, on water, anything. Or Pircha <laughs> yeah, the blessing of the solar eclipse that's made once every 28 years. So we know that it's very special to, to say as many blessings as we can and connect with your Bansha. But the sages teach us something, something beautiful. And that is, the more powerful something is, the more important something is, the more Hashem makes it available in this world, so to speak. Diamonds cost a lot of money. Nobody needs them. Right? Lev Leviev... Who's a Jewish Russian billionaire He lives in Israel now He's one of the biggest diamond dealers in the world Was interviewed They asked him How do you sell diamonds? He says the trick to selling diamonds Is to convince people To buy something they don't need With money they don't have To impress people they don't even like That's the trick to diamonds Okay Air Costs nothing What's more important Diamonds or air? Air. If something's important, water. If something's important, Hashem makes it available. The bracha of shahakol is so important that a Jew says the statement over and over and over. We can't, we, we can't allow it to become normal where we don't even think about the bracha anymore. To say these words, Hashem, you're the source of all blessing. That everything that we look at, every atom, is nihiya b'varo, is created with your words. That's a blessing that a Jew needs to be reminded of Always, 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 and in no way is it less important than a blessing that's made every twenty-eight years. Just the opposite. The more common it is, the more needed it is. And this hints a little bit to where Beis is coming from. He says, "Listen, the shlumim is more important than the Ola. because we were already bringing shlumims before the before the the Ula was brought at Har Sinai." Okay, there's more to this, but let's keep going. We got a daf to cover. be So, my time the He says to Gemara. Okay. Bishama has got a good reason. Bishelah has a good reason. Why does Bishelah argue with Bishama? There's going to be a classic back and forth in the Gemara. Okay, each one's got a source. Why do they argue with each other? And for the Gemara, the Gemara says adifa Says Bishelah to Bishama. You know, you said that the oil is more important because it's burnt up to the but just the opposite. Adifa Khagiga adifa. The carbon chagiga, which is a shlomim, is much better. Yeah, it's being eaten by humans. And by the rebundisha. But the Ka'mar Niloth Matseris. Oh, you're gonna prove to me a Shvuas. There's more reias. Oh, done in carbon, Yakimi carbon, Yaqi, the aim done and carbon, yakimi carbon sea. There's a difference between a personal offering and a and a communal offering. Okay? So therefore you have no proof. Shvuas is a communal offering. These are personal olas. Don't bring any proof from that. Okay? So we know why Beis Hillel does not want to follow the logic of Beis Shamay. And this is actually another beautiful. Point where B'Shamay is saying it's all about God, anything goes up to God, and B'Shamay says no, it's about the relationship, the shared opportunity between mankind and God. And therefore, a carbon that has, some goes to Hashem and some goes to the person that shows a relationship, that so shows a connection. B'Shamay, who says that a Ola is more important. Why does he disagree with Hill? Answers the Gemara, This that you said, that a shlamim is more important because it brought before Har sinai No, I'll tell you that Ola Shri was also brought before Har sinai Okay? Now, um, he's, we're going to get into this a little later. He's going to hold that actually the Ola's were brought right before Har sinai as well. Um, and this that you said, learn it out from, learn out that a shlamim is more important than a ola from the nisim. No, let's compare the shlomim and the ola that happens always. Okay? Um, and don't compare it to the bringing of the nisim that was only brought during the days of the inauguration of the Mishkan. It didn't happen forever and therefore you cannot use a one-time event as a source for something that happens from generation to generation. Okay, so now we know, we still keep going on this for a little bit, but now we know um, why Beishamah and Beishel argue, as well as why they have an issue with the other one's opinion. This is very important. It's very important. You can't just argue on somebody. You can't just argue. When we have a machlokas, we're not just sitting in the back of a bus in the mood to be two Jews and three opinions. We're not just arguing. There's depth. There's a, reason why I'm, uh, there's a reason why I'm saying what I'm saying. And your logic as well, I'm taking your logic into account, but I find a flaw in it. If your logic didn't have a flaw, I would come around and agree with you. It's not a matter of me being right. It's a matter of what is right. That's it. Beshal, each one says, this is my logic and I find a flaw in the way in your thinking process. Hence, we're coming to our conclusion. Okay. Says the Gemara, according to Basil, again, who says... That a slumim is more is more valuable than a ola. Maish na chagiga the yesh on the why is it, why particularly a Chagiga was brought before Har Sinai? It says that they brought zvachim Shlamim. They brought carbonis that was a carbon Shlamim. By the carbon re- as well. It says that they, they brought up Aylais. They brought Ayla offerings. So you see very clearly that even Ayla was brought then. right? Even Ayla was brought then. So you see that it's the same thing. One, one's not coming before the other and the Gemara. kasabri be sall ayla shaqib midbar ayla tome have he says that that ayla was not the ayla sharia that ayla was that ayla was the uh the ayla satamid okay it was a different ayla so the ayla sharia was not brought before hasani well be sabri be says no ayla shaqib you so midbar ayla sharia have that was brought by her right before hasani in the midbar was not a carbon atomid but was an ola sharia okay now for those of us who are not familiar the, the olah satamid is referring to the daily offerings that were brought in the morning and in the afternoon. And these were also completely burnt up. It was the same process of burning. It was a carbon ola, but it was brought for a different reason. The tamad was brought for the daily, uh, for the daily obligation and the Riyah was brought for the appearance um, in, the, in the mishkan. Okay. Very good. Let's pause for a moment. Because from here... Until a large part of Amad Be'ez, we're up to Amar Abayi, we're going to get into a very uh, broad discussion about various sacrifices, particularly the ones that we mentioned in the beginning. The Ola, the Chagiga Shlomim, and the Shalmei Simcha, Okay, the rejoicing Shlomim that added meat to people's Yom Tif tables. Okay, And we're going to discuss over here, we're going to get into a conversation, whether the Ayla that was brought right before Harsinai, right before the giving of the Torah, was an olas re'iyah, because we were now being seen by the Shekhinah, or whether it was the daily tamid sacrifice. And we're also going to get into um, different ways that each sacrifice kind of is unique compared to the others. Okay? That's going to be, for the next little bit, the uh, the conversation. So let's start with point number one, which is, we know that a Ola sacrifice was brought right before Matan Torah. What type of Ola was it? Was it the daily Ola? Or was it the Re'iya Ola? Because now we're being seen. Let's go. Om says, Bishamay Reb Loza, Three names, three opinions. Okay? And the names here, in this Gemara, they always matter, but, It'll be helpful if we could kind of retain the names because soon the Gemara is going to disprove one of the names and say it's not possible for this Tanna to have made that statement. So let's go. Bishamai, Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Yishmael. What do they say? Olah shehekribu Yisroel baMidbar. The Olah sacrifice that was brought by the Jews in the Midbar. Eislas Reiya Have. It was an Olah of Reiya. Okay, not the Tamid, the Reiya. Beis Hillo, Rabbi Yakiva, and Rabbi Yosi Aglieli, kulu sviralu ola shakiv yizobem ola stumet It was a tumbet sacrifice. Okay, machlekes. That's what the says. Three beishamay Rabbi Lozer, say it was a ola reiya, and the other three beisol Rabbi Yakiva, Rabbi Yosi say the ola that was brought was the ola hatumet. Everybody agrees it was an ola sacrifice. The question is, its second name, yeah, or the last name? What was the last name of the carbon? Was it olas Damit? Olas re'i. Okay. Now, Beishamai mar. We know Beishamai is of the opinion that it was olas re'i. We just said that earlier. That was the Mechagas Beishamai Besil. Rabbi Shmuel. Hadino you know Rabbi Shmuel holds that it was an olas re'i. The Tani we learned that the Shmuel so Rabbi Shmuel says The general ideas of mitzvos were said at Har Sinai. By Omayd, but the specifics of each mitzvah were said later on at the Yoel Moed, once we had the Mishkan. Rebbe Kiva, Rebbe Kiva says, Sinai, the, both the general rules of each mitzvah and the specifics of each mitzvah were all given at our Sinai. V'nishnu Ba'al and it was all repeated in the Ayol Maed, and a third time, Ba'ar was given over in the plains of Moab uh, while we were out in the, uh, in the wilderness, right before we were going into Eretz Yisrael. Okay? A lot of safer Devarim. Now, Vizog you're going to say olas shugiv midbar, olas olas that was brought in the midbar was an olas tomid, Me Is there such a thing that usually uh, did not need skinning and cutting up? boy And afterwards did need skinning and cutting up? No. Back the, the, before they didn't skin it and cut it up at RC night, and later on you do. So it must be. That it was an olas reiya and not an olas hatamid. Okay, beautiful. That's the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. What was the third opinion that the tamid at Har Sinai was olas reiya? It was Rabbi Elazar. How do you see that? Where do we see Rabbi Lazar's of the opinion that the sacrifice was a rei'a? The time we learned in Rebbe, the, the Pasuk says the Ola of the Tamid that was brought at Arsina'i. sinai Rebbe how it was done was given at Ar-Sinai, but okay? he atzma asuya means it should be done later, it itself was not brought, the Tamid wasn't brought, so what other sacrifices left? The Ilas rei'a. If there was an Ayla sacrifice, it needed to be the Riyah, not the Tamid. Why? Because Eulah's Tamid Ha'asuya, where how to do it was said at Har sinai But the actual doing was not done. That is the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. Okay. So we've just established the three authors, the three Tanoyim, who say the ola at Har sinai was a Re'iyah and not a Tamid. Now we're going to start getting into the other opinion, which is that no, the ola at Har sinai was a Tamid, and not a rei'a. So one of the names we mentioned who had that opinion was Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says, Karva, the Karban HaTamid was brought at Har Sinai, the Shuv Lai Pascha, and once it started at Har Sinai, the Karban HaTamid was brought every single day in the Midbar. El Malani Mekayim at Umincha, that the Zvachim and the Minchas, he them, you brought close to me by Midbar in the Midbar. I brought him, Shana you didn't bring Karbanis yeah. Which means that a carbon atom was not brought daily. Question on, on Rabbi Akiva on the Pasuk. Listen to this. Says Rabbi Akiva, <laughs> The carbon atom was brought on behalf of Shevet Levi alone. By the sin of the golden calf, they were the only Shavat, the only tribe that didn't sin. And even though we know the Korban Atumet really is brought daily on behalf of all of the Jewish nation, on our behalf, that's why we had all the Mishmaros, right? All those things. So, um, um, so um, over here, before we entered Eretz Yisrael, it was only brought on behalf of Sheva Levi. They were the ones who had the merit. Of the carbonatamid brought on their behalf, which is also another beautiful idea that, if we want to be part of all the goodness and, and blessing that comes, you know, to the Jewish nation, we need to make sure that we're there to be part of it. And and unfortunately, because of our actions in the midbar, eleven out of the twelve tribes kind of chose through our actions to not have that merit. And, and Levi was the one who, who stood up and, and held on to that ability to have the ultimate relationship. Okay, Re- bottom line is, Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion that it was a carbon Tumid that was brought. Beis Hillel, how do we know Rabbi Beis Hillel was a carbon-tomid? Hadamarn we said earlier, in its, opinion with, in its argument with Beis So Rabbi Akiva, hanamidamarn. So now we know that Beis Hillel and Rabbi Akiva both hold it was a carbon Tumid. But what about Rabbi Yisiagliliy? So this is going to get very interesting and ultimately we're going to disprove that Rabbi Yisraeli agrees with them because it's going to get too complicated and let's see why. But basically, as and now we're assuming, Rabbi Yisraeli also holds was a carbon atom. At the time we learned the price, Rabbi Yisraeli basically says, Shalish mitzvahs, There's three mitzvahs that a Jew needs to do when we're Ayla Laregel, when we come to Yerushalayim. It's fine. chagiga the simcha. The the olas the shlamim of the chagiga and the shlamim of the simcha. Meaning, every Jew is going to bring three karbanos. Every Jew is going to bring three sacrifices. One's going to be an ola, and one's going to, and two of them are going to be a shlamim. Okay. Now the mishnah, the the Brisa explains. Yeish per'ia she'im The olas raya has something unique that the Hagiga and the Simcha don't have, the Yesh Hagiga she'im b'shtayim, the Chagiga doesn't have, the Yesh Simcha she'im b'shtayim, each one of the three sacrifices are going to have something unique to it that the other ones don't have anymore. And let's explain how so. Yesh v'ra'iyah she'im the olah Sh'ra'iyah has something unique that the other two don't have. Sh'ra'iyah Ola Kula It's an ayla. it gets completely burnt. As we know, the other two are just the shlaman, right? It's a shla, not just but it's a totally different name, so it's not. It's it's different. The other two are, are peace offerings. The karban chagiga has something that the Shalmei simcha and the ola don't have. She Hagiga because the karban chagiga, like we said earlier, was brought before. Uh, was brought at Har Sinai. The other two did not apply at Har Sinai. Yesh besimcha Mashaim b'shtayim and the carbon uh, the simcha also has something that the other two don't have. Shah simcha no heges baanashim The mitzvah of rejoicing on a yomtiv is a family obligation. Women, men, children, everybody is involved in the in the simcha which doesn't apply to the other two. Them uh, all you needed was a man to bring a karba chagiga or a man to bring. The karban, the the elas So each one has has something unique to it. Okay, now says the Gemara. I'm sorry. No. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna I'm, we're not really explaining. We're gonna question Rabbi Shmuel for Rabbi Shmuel. My time come. Look most like Why does Rabbi Why does Rabbi Shmuel agree with Be'i Shammai that a ola uh, that a ria? Is more important than the tamid. What does that mean? was in the midbar. Was coming tamid? The same same uh, questioning that we said earlier. Is there such a thing that originally did not need to be skinned and cut up? For example, um, uh, all, all later generations. And later on, it did need skinning and cutting up. It must be that it was not a korban It was an Ayla rei'ah that was brought. and then you have the opinion of Rabayisya g'lieli. The Amar Ayla Shakribi b'yisob He he was of the opinion who followed Beis Hillel that the Ayla that was brought was a korban atumid. Well, one second. Originally, you're going to if it was a tamid, you're going to tell me originally it didn't need skinning and cutting up. boy and only later on. Now, how do you know he's of that opinion? Opinion, did Tanya? We learned in Ebraisa. So. The oil that was bought at Harsinai did not need to be skinned and cut up. Only need to be skinned and cut up from the Olu and onwards. So the Gemara is asking a very strong question on these two opinions. Let's just speak this out before we get to our answer. And the Gemara is saying, You cannot hold that it was a ola that was brought at Harsinai, if you're also going to say that the skinning and the cutting up only started later. Because that's not the way the sacrifice works. So you can't tell me in one hand, there was no skinning and cutting up, and on the other hand, tell me that he agrees that it was an ola that was brought. It's simply not possible to hold those two opinions. Those are contradictory statements, and therefore, there's no way Rabbi Shmuel is agreeing with Beishamai. To which the Gemara answers, "You're right. We we don't have an answer, and therefore, summi mikan Rabbi Ishmael. Okay, it must be that don't put Rabbi Shmuel in Beishamai's opinion because it will not work out. Rather, we're going to. There is a possibility that he will agree with base Hillel, period. Okay. That was a, uh, you know, a, a very, uh, a, a big back and forth. Uh, and and uh, we're sticking with that. It's a big machlokas, okay? We have, we have big guns telling us that the Ola that was brought at our Sinai was a Tamid. And we have big guns telling us it was a Eil Sriyah. We're walking away from this right now as a, as a machlokas, period. Okay. Here we go. Next part of the Gemara, we're up to a new question, searching for information. Hey. All right, wow. Ba'i Rebbe Chista, Rab Chista asks a question, uh, searching for uh, searching for information. Hai Kra In the follow the following pasuk, how is it written? Now, what do you mean? So the pasuk says, Vayishlach esnare bnei Yisro. He sent the young people of Klau Yisrael, Vayalu Eiles, and they brought Eiles. Now here's the problem. If you keep reading the Posuk, the verse ends by saying they brought parim, they brought bulls. Now, kvasim, um, if they brought an ola, that it's going to be sheep. That seems to imply sheep. When it says Vayalu Olos, so that seems to imply a sheep, because a regular ola... Was a sheep, and then you read the end of the pasuk and says, and there were other sacrifices like a carbon shlamim that was a bull. What does it mean? They were both bulls. Okay, let's pause and speak this outside. This is a this is a we'll call it a standard. Where do you put the comma? Question, right? And as we said last time, commas save lives, right? So it's very important to know where to put the comma. Why do commas save lives? Yeah? Why do commas save lives? Because if you say let's eat, comma grandma, so then grandma is invited to eat. If you say let's eat grandma without a comma, grandma might lose her life, right? So, commas, if you put a comma in, it saves lives. Let's eat, grandma. Yeah, Bubby, right? Okay. Where do you put the comma? The Gemara Shaila here is, were all types of carbonos brought with bulls? Or was it just the uh, Ola was brought as a sheep and the shlumim was brought for a bull? Okay, the Gemara says, Yeah, w- w- like why do you care right now? You're asking what was done at Harsinai. What does it matter to us in Tavshim Pebez 2022? Mazur Chama says, "Lepisuk says, L'Pisuk To'amim. You know how it makes a difference? Where you put the comma when we read it from the Torah. It makes a big difference. We have to know that when we read the verse in Shul, we know what Trump to put on it. And therefore, it's sensible. Trup is not just a song. It really tells us what happened. Rav Acha, Braid the Rabbah, Rav Acha, the Son of Rabba, says, La I'll tell you another difference. It's if somebody says, Harei Alay Ola, I accept upon myself responsibility to bring a carbon Ola, Shehe Krivu Yisrael Midbar, the same Ola that the Jewish nation brought on the Midbar. My. So we want to know. What's he obligated in? Parim Havay? Was it all bulls? Was the Ola uh, not a sheep, but a bull? Or were they sheep? We don't know. A guy says, I'm accepting upon myself the Ola of the Midbar. What do we do? An Ola was allowed to be a bull and it was allowed to be a sheep. So we don't know what he's obligated in. To which the Gemara says... We're stuck. Teku, tishbi yatarit kushes vabayas. We have to wait for leo and Abi to come to answer this fascinating uh, this fascinating question. And this guy is going to have to wait, and he's uh, stuck with his uh, with his responsibility until we ultimately get an answer. Okay. Uh, period. Ended of that Gemara. Um, Interesting. You know what? Let's just uh, give a just to finish off the daf. It's a very short uh. Tenan hasam, we learned in a Mishnah, and this is a Mishnah we say each morning in the Seder, the following things have no maximum, there's no limit, there's no measurement to the following things. Hapeya, the amount of corner of a field that we leave over for the poor, that corner, there's no, there's no specific amount for it, there's no, there's no limit. vahabikurim the first fruits, harayon, the olas re'iyah, Okay, the Re'iyah, the Re'iyah sacrifice, Ugemilus, chasodim, Acts of Kindness, V'talmah Torah, and Talmah Torah, all these things have no limit. Bezram tomorrow we will pick up at our usual time of 6.15 p.m. Central, and we will restart from the bottom line on Davav Ahmed Bez. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, everybody.